I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. A podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched the latest from director Guillermo del Toro, Nightmare Alley. They it's safe to say Nightmare Alley is one of our favorite movies from last year, and it is currently streaming on HBO Max and Hulu. Check it out. It's a fun conversation. We also additionally talked about the recently released Oscar nominations ahead of the ceremony this month in March. We get our reaction, what we're excited about in that race, maybe some things that we felt like were missing. Uh, it's a fun conversation about the kind of year in review and where we're headed in movies. With that, let's cut to our conversation currently in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Speaking of haunted homes, uh, extremely dark circumstances that the world is in. This week we watched... Okay, was it me or was there no Nightmare Alley, actually? (laughs) I felt like uh, the Nightmare Alley is where... You know, it's where he finds his perspective geeks he says i find him in nightmare alleys which yeah, I but they is, never go there it's like or is that where he ends up at the end i don't i don't know anyways uh, before we talk I, about i wanted before to we talk about nightmare alley. alley can we, we we're gonna do oscar nomination reactions right you want to do that first let's do it first uh and then we'll right. close we'll, well we'll do the movie we'll close with our segments like we normally do let's do oscar noms first and and it, it's so great this is so fitting you know what's so you know what's so annoying? If you Google Oscar nominations 2022, the first website that comes up is the CNN. I know. I know. You, and, could, you just go to IMDb. Oscars.org. Just go to IMDb. It's got a really good list that's very easy to navigate. Um, but this is so great. We're talking today, February 8th. You'll hear this episode after that. But today that we're recording this, uh, 2022 Oscar nominations have been just announced. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because the movie we're talking about today, Nightmare Alley, nominated for Best Picture. And I was not expecting that. This out was of like nowhere, seemingly. This, this was like really on the outside looking in for me in what I was expecting out of these ten, Truly. ten nominations. Um, and so I I I as we heard Let's the last say, well, episode, let's start with Best Picture. I know this yeah. is antithetical to uh you know no no this is the headline let's start let's start best picture this is where it's at uh read them off yeah so so we've got um belfast the kenneth Branagh movie have you seen belfast nope no you're not interested right this is not really yeah um it's good it's good it's nice uh we've got coda which we've covered on this show um we've got don't look up did you see don't look up no, no, no. It's, it's whatever. I know it's a problem. I don't want someone yelling at me at me yeah. for two hours. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett is so good, but you know what? She's so good in Nightmare Alley. Just, just watch that. Um, number four, we've got Drive My Car. So this is one of two Best Picture nominees that I have not seen. This is the Japanese uh, film, um, Drive My Car. Uh, Dune, Best Picture nominee, Dune. Uh, we've got King Richard. You saw King Richard, right? I didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh! I didn't do my due diligence. Uh, I know, it, it left HBO Max. Yeah, I, I felt know. Like pretty quick. I know. Uh, it'll probably be back on soon as Oscar voting continues. So, so we've got King Richard, Licorice Pizza. Hell yeah! 
just uh, absolutely amazing. Nightmare Alley. Not going to win, but I'm glad uh, it's there. There's hope. There's hope over here. Nightmare Alley, which was probably the biggest surprise. I think Drive My Car, Nightmare Alley, the biggest surprises for me getting into this. Um, and and what, what okay yeah finish the list we'll finish the list and then and and then um the power, power of the, the dog, dog and west side story what were the movies that you thought would be in replacement of nightmare alley uh, i was kind of nervous that being the ricardos was going to get in there um as a best Oof. best picture nominee it got a, it did get a, a bunch of uh, nominations mostly for its impressions i mean its acting um and I was kind of, I think there was a possibility of The Lost Daughter, the Maggie Gyllenhaal directed Olivia Coleman oh, movie. Right. Um, I thought there was a possibility um, for Tick Tick Boom. For Tick Tick Boom, Andrew Garfield got nominated for that, and Tick Tick Boom got some other nominations for um, Tragedy of Macbeth, possibly. Um, and uh, yeah, those were kind of the the. Um, let's see. Um, I, I was, I, I, I was kind of anticipating, uh, I, I knew the last duel wasn't going to get anything. It was pretty shut out most of the season. Um, Mm -hmm. but I thought there was an outside chance of house of Gucci, like filling out a top, a 10 spot, um, or the worst person in the world, um, which got a lot of acclaim and was nominated for best original screenplay and foreign language film. Um, but did not, um, did not end up getting nominated for best picture um so those were those were the kind of and, and like some of those are good movies i like a, a hero the ashgar farhadi movie that we talked about on my top 10 list um did not get any nominations at all but um yeah i i so i've seen eight of these 10 how many have you seen um let me see five of them um yeah yeah um that's that's rough although a a few of them i don't want to see or i'm not that interested yeah um i I mean it's kind of it's like a diligence as a movie podcaster you know it's it's cool that coda gets in there um and is belfast streaming somewhere no it's it's available for renting um, it's like 20 bucks yeah 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 see this is so goofy the way they do these sometimes i know it's it's weird because belfast has been available on uh rental for months i watched it like in november but then some of these other movies have been just completely locked away like i, it, I just want it, it I just, just strange wanna... for us humans who are not part of the academy who have only had access to a couple of these I movies know. like like really uh uh like wide availability for like yeah. a couple of these, like definitely Power of the Dog because everyone has Netflix, but yep. like and now Alley just got on HBO Max. Yes. Which is why we're talking about it. King Richard was on HBO Max for a month. Doom was on for a month. Drive My Car, no. Don't Look Up is also Netflix, which is nice. But it's, and like, you know, Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus yeah. for Coda. It's just, there's these weird circumstances where it's like, I know. Are our theaters open near you? Are they playing these like foreign I, films? It, it, like, as far as the Oscars just being a piece of entertainment for, for, the public, you know? Yeah. Because that's what yeah. like that's what I think of it as like this is for us. Yeah. To. You know, 
see what movies are important to culture right now, but it's like, yeah, most of quote unquote culture can't see these movies. Well, and it's interesting too, because because this feels like a weird year to me, and that it's not a big like movie star year, you know, capital mm-hmm. M, capital S movie star year. Um, and I mean, like, you've you've got a Will Smith movie in here, and I was gonna say, should we jump to those best actor and actresses? Yeah, real quick? yeah. Um, you know. I mean, these are movie stars. Denzel is—it's like his ninth or tenth Academy Award nomination. Will Smith is a movie star, um, you know. But it's not—I—I I, I don't know what a movie star is anymore. I don't know how many we have anymore. I think—I think our are the celebrities at the center of culture are not the actors are not the men and women who are acting in movies, um, or at least not right. in movies that are going to be kind of recognized in this way. Um, so I think that's, that's part of the kind of strangeness of it. Um, but yeah, so anyways, I like, I look at this list of 10 movies and I, I felt like there's no, uh, other than maybe don't look up, there's nothing in here that I'm like, boy, that doesn't deserve to be nominated. Right, I, mean, th- right. I think these are fine totally. movies. Um, I, I just yeah. really want to see. It's cool that see... Drive, Drive My Car is yes. in there. And... Very cool. Like there's, um, there's definitely ones that we are about on this pod. Totally. That we're stoked. And yeah. like it, it's a arguably much better list than years past. It's, it is a like consistent list across the board. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, these are good movies. I really want to see West Side Story. I really want to see Drive My Car. Let me see these movies, please. Um, yeah, so, I mean, leading actor, we get this weird uh, being the Ricardo's Javier Bardem nomination, but Denzel is nominated, Will Smith. It, it, it's one of those, like, all right, it's about time. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had my way, I, I'd probably go Benedict, but just based off performances, but it Will Smith is definitely in that, all right, he, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think the performance is like really good, um, but he's just always really good. Like, yeah. Uh, and but he's 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 usually not in a movie that's this good. No, that is that is absolutely true. Um, yeah. He 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 does a lot of movies, and, and I think it's like a lot of like British movies that don't pl- get as much play over here and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But but I just like Will Smith, and I like what he does in King Richard and whatever give it to him like universally liked person that we all would just be excited to see win and honestly doesn't hurt to have like a massively charming likable charismatic person like get a lot of airtime yes yes totally and i i want to point this out because i think this is fun there are two married couples that are uh nominated uh, in all the acting categories, so who's the, who's the second? Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz is nominated for Best Actress oh, for I didn't Parallel know Parallel Mothers, yes, and then um, Kirsten Plemons Dunst and, and Jesse Plemons and yeah. in, in their supporting uh, in the supporting categories for Power of the Dog. How fun I didn't is that? Know when I was watching Power of the Dog, they were married. Yes. Like, oh, isn't that sweet for them to have this movie? It is. It is. Uh, yeah. So, best actress, uh, Kristen Stewart. She's she is hanging in there uh, through this Man, whole Plemons season. Plemons has come a long way since Like Mike, huh? Boy, Jesse Plemons is in Like Mike. That may have been the shock 
uh, of that entire movie going experience. I forgot that he <laughs> is the bully in that movie. He's come uh, a long way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so best best leading actress. I, the only one of these movies I haven't seen is a Parallel Mothers. Again, uh, a movie that I really want to see and that just hasn't been available. Um, yeah, and that's the Penelope Cruz performance. But um, I don't know. Kristen Stewart is. I, I love the Spencer performance. I know that's kind of yeah. divisive. Um, is it? Do people I, not I think like so. That? I mean, I I don't think she's had as strong a. Um, award season as people were maybe expecting and there was like a lot of the critics awards like lady gaga was winning some at first and that was kind of a snub here and i actually think Mm. the lady gaga performance in house of gucci is really like she is kind of psycho in that movie and and in a good way in a good way like she's so insane and the the transformation from beginning to end of that movie of that character is um, very significant and she she sells it every step of the way um, so yeah. kind of disappointed that Lady Gaga's left out here another chance to have like a major star like yeah I know draw attention uh, to yeah. the um, but you know people love Olivia Coleman. she's won before um, man she just she's like Frances McDormand over oh here. yeah she's every every year just she, like taking names is that like because the performance is that good, or is it the name? I mean, I think it's both. I think it's a this yeah. compounding effect of she just actually is that good every I time just she did shows not up. Like the lost daughter. I know. Oh you you didn't finish it though, did you? No, I did. Oh, you did. You did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. yeah. We we. We went back and watched it, and because Sarah was like, "No, let's try it." And yeah. I'm like, all right. But when she yells at those kids in the movie theater, like I was rooting for the kids at that point. <laughs> That's right. You hated her. <laughs> yeah, she drove me crazy. Like, what is likable about this person? Can someone tell me? <laughs> I took your baby. She's <laughs> like, <laughs> so "Why'd you steal this doll?" I don't know. Bit of fun. It's like, ugh, psycho. Go away. <laughs> Why'd you make this movie? I don't know. <laughs> Bit fun. <laughs> She's great. I, I love her. Uh, not Stan, the lost daughter. Okay. The uh, best supporting actor. I think this one, like, this is the Cody Smith McPhee, Power of the Dog, the kid in the Power of the Dog. It, it, it's This is his to lose at this point. He's winning all the awards. But yeah. I love that. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, oh. See, but I stand Plemons. I, I, I like the Jesse Plemons performance, uh, but I love the Troy Katsur from CODA, the first first deaf actor yeah. to ever be nominated for an Academy cool Award. Um, He's probably not going to happen, but he is very good in CODA. I absolutely agree. Um, I don't know where the best supporting actress race is. Um, you know, the Ariana DeBose performance apparently is very good in West Side Story. Um, another Lost Daughter nomination here for Jesse Buckley is the which I, I like Jesse Buckley a lot. I did not. That was my least favorite part of that movie was the flashback uh, portion. Right, right. Um, this movie just sucked. But I really, <laughs> I know you didn't like it. But I really <laughs> love Anjanou Ellis in King Richard as uh, the Williams sisters' mother. Um, I, I'm pretty bummed about the lack of Alana. I know, I know. 
and I, that's you know, does she go here? Does she go in in lead actress? Like, let's let's kick Nicole Kidman out. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, you could. There, there's there's room here for for Alana Heim. Um, she Gosh. she is amazing. All right, so best directing, another super important category. Um, we've got Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. Good for her. It's uh, it's an incredible movie, right? And, and Power of the Dog is going to sweep. This yeah, year. it's 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 leading with nominations. But um, I was thinking about it today. I was talking about the Power of the Dog with someone, and and they ha- they hated it. And their comment was like, "It's beautiful. The cinematography is amazing. I like the twist at the end, but nothing really happened." And my criticism of the movie is that I was really really taken by it the first time I watched it and every time I think about it I thought about it since then it's like water coming like water rushing through my hands Mm. like Mm. I'm like yeah I watched that and it was nice but I don't I couldn't tell you anything there's nothing we have to do we we have to do it we're gonna do it especially Um, after these nominations and honestly I'm looking forward to a re uh, I'm looking forward to a reason to revisit it and but these two you know so Jane Campion uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, which is just fine to me. The movie's just fine. Um, Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. This this guy. I mean, he's not gonna. We stand I, our guy. I, I don't know. I'm just really hoping for this like last minute swing towards Licorice Pizza here. And this is one of my favorite statistics from this Academy Awards. Steven Spielberg is nominated here. Do you know what this means, Mitchell? Spielberg has been nominated for at least one movie for best director for this category in the 1970s, the 1980s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, now the 2020s. Six decades in a row that this man has been nominated for the best directing Academy Award. You heard it here first. He's good. This this is this is like <laughs> insane to me, right? This is like <sighs> these are the hot takes you come for. <laughs> it's, it's, Steven Spielberg? That guy knows how to make a movie. It's, I'll tell it's, you what. It's not that he's good. Everyone knows he's good. This is this is incredible, right? That's an incredible longevity, productivity, an incredible yeah. statistic. I need I need I yes. Yes. Moving on. I need PTA to win something here. Whether it's screenplay or direct he's not gonna win director. I think screenplay he could take. You think right? you think? I really hope so. I I I do not want Don't Look Up to win anything. <laughs> on, on on original screenplay, play, I I liked Worst that, Person in the World. That, that, that I was gonna say that that could be the like the like we're we're hip. Yes, you know selection. Yeah. This is like this is the category historically where the actual best movie of the year wins this one. <laughs> Um, and this is where Tarantino win, has won his Oscars because he's never won Best Directing. Um, and to to me, so uh, yeah. So to me, this is the this is where I want to see Licorice Pizza really win. I yeah. get, I would understand a worse person in the world, but I wouldn't. I, I to me, Licorice Pizza uh, uh, all day. Yeah. Um, best adapted screenplay. I, I, I know, we're we're recording this. This isn't coming out for a while, but. Valentine, not on Valentine's Day, but the couple days before, we're gonna go see. I'm having friends like babysit Abel so we can go so Sarah can actually see Licorice Pizza. Oh, very excited about that. She doesn't know. I'm just gonna be like, by the way, in an hour we're going. Oh my gosh, how fun! Because we have so few, we have so few people in town that you know we know that. that we would, that yeah, that could do that. So 
and yeah. it's actually playing in my town now. So I'm excited uh, for a rewatch. I've been thinking about rewatching it. I've got yeah. Um, so best adapted screenplay. I don't know. I mean, Power of the Dog will probably win. Maybe uh, maybe Drive My Car gets an award here. If there's a lot of love for it. it again, uh, this is the third nomination now for Drive My Car. Big deal for a foreign yeah. language movie. Uh, but but to be honest, I kind of like the Dune. Like for me personally, it's that emotional pick of like. The f- and he got snubbed as for director. <laughs> That's insane to me. It's insane to me that Denis Villeneuve does not get nominated for best directing for that movie, and like move over Kenneth Branagh, whatever. I know exactly. <laughs> it's so clear. And so yeah, to me, the emotional pick for best adapted screenplay is Dune, just because of the feat or it is to f- adapt that. I, I am mainly, you know me, very very irritated with the with the 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 biggest snub of the season which is French Dispatch is nowhere I this know list. I know I know French Dispatch is, completely shut out it's it's also insane Sean Fancy had the best take how is free guy <laughs> nominated for an Oscar and French Dispatch nothing yeah the free guy the free guy one is is wild to me But French Dispatch completely shut out. Doesn't make any sense. And and really on like the below the line stuff, like production design, like that. That's far and away. Like I I think such such an intricately beautiful movie. Um, For score, yeah. Um, But I even thought for. I mean, I I just don't understand the lack of love for this movie. I I don't either. Um, And Wes Anderson usually does. I mean. Grand Budapest Hotel, like, yeah, Grand Budapest, um, huge deal. I mean, got a bunch of nominations. Anyway, well, we'll see. Uh, we don't. We probably don't need to go through all of them, but those. Yeah. Are, I feel like we hit the the major ones. Uh, any but really, uh, the big thing here is that Best Picture. One of those slots is Nightmare Alley. Yes. Yes, I know, and. Uh, um, it was also cinematography. Oh, look at this. Cinematography, costume, and production design. So all of a sudden, Nightmare Alley is getting some love. There was a late push for it, and then it dropped on Hulu and HBO like the same week that the voting started. Um, mm. And so I think that, yeah, and Guillermo del Toro did an amazing interview on Fresh Air um, a couple weeks ago. And, yeah. and, I, and I know like there, there has been a big push for it. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that was the right decision. Whoever was, who, well, whatever honestly, producer, it's better than most stuff that came out this year. Uh, totally. I, I am honestly like, I, I don't know to me, there's like a couple of movies, you know, that I would like to have seen in that best picture nomination spots, you know, French dispatch being one of them. But I wouldn't take Nightmare Alley out of it for for any of those. Um, the other big, you know, while we're just finishing the conversation on Academy Awards, the big like personal snub for me is that The Green Knight was completely shut out as well. I think. Oh right. I That's think production crazy. design. I think cinematography. cinematography I think um, the score is really unique. It's a, it's a big year for scores. I yeah, mean, wait, wait. Let's let's go through cinematography real quick. Um, Dune, I, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Macbeth, West Side Story. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, I I could swap out. What West, West Side, Side Story, the movie you haven't seen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I could, <laughs> I could I could also honestly, uh, I could swap out an hour of Nightmare Alley. Sure. Yeah, I I, yeah. I get it. Um, 
you know, but I think I think like production design for Green Knight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was even kind of hoping a, for a Dev Patel like best actor. Like it was never gonna happen, but uh, right, he's, he's right. way better than Javier Bardem and being the Ricardos. Like original uh, screenplay, kick Belfast out. It's technically an adapted screenplay based on the tale of. What based night. off three sentences? Yeah, I I actually think it w- was in that fine. Category. Oh my god, kick lost daughter out. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you. Kick lost daughter out. Um, yeah. So Green Knight to me was yeah, like that's a bummer. A movie I loved didn't get any attention. Just kind of weird. Um, I think Macbeth is the only A twenty four movie that got any any love. Yeah. Uh, so not that, that matters a ton, but. So yeah, I I don't know I you know what it's it was like a solid year for movies. It was not like a runaway amazing. It was no twenty nineteen, but um, mm-hmm. I I'm like and it's cool to see movies like Dune and Licorice Pizza really getting recognition here. Um, yeah, there's nothing to be like too yeah. irritated about. Yeah, but and and cool for I'm things also... like Drive My Car. Like I'm really excited to see that more than ever. Um, yeah. So Nightmare Alley. This is the Guillermo del Toro, uh, Bradley Cooper starring with Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara. Um, this is a uh, dark and twisted movie. Uh, would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Within the first fifteen minutes, I was like, mm, "Do we have to watch this?" And I'm like, "Listen, I tried to tell you." <laughs> Wait, did she watch the whole thing with you? Yeah. Yeah. Did she enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. I, but I mean, the first the first fifteen kind of gives you a little like. Yeah. Like it does. It's really not that violent. No, no, and that's what I. That's kind of. That's what. That's what I noticed in rewatching it. That it's a lot more twisted and dark in my memory of it because of the mood mm-hmm. that it evokes than what's actually on screen, which I do think is an achievement of the movie. Right. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I compare it to like Pan's Labyrinth, it's like Pan's Labyrinth is a lot more violent, a lot darker to me. Yeah. Like the mood is dark, I guess like a night circus thing, but yeah. So, uh, let's set this up. What's nightmare alley about? And we should say this is based on a, it's like a remake based of a movie from the forties. that was based on a novel. Uh, so there's how like, true to the novel was it? Do we know? I I have no idea. Um, but there's a like a Hollywood heritage kind of attached to this yeah. movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is Guillermo del Toro. He he became really obsessed with kind of 1930s era American carnivals, these traveling freak show based carnivals, um, and a lot of the movies set Which makes in sense one. for him. Oh, totally. Um, a lot of the movies set in one. We follow. This character, uh, Stan Carlisle, is is Bradley Cooper, uh, who, you know, I don't know. The first scene, he's burying a body in a farmhouse, burns the house down, and then, like, is on the run or just kind of, you know, uh, you know, drifting about. And we get some like Terrence Malick vibes right off the bat. Yeah, it's real like uh, um, Days of Heaven, but yeah, um, ends up at this uh, carnival um, and. Needs needs a job at night, at night. Yeah, in the rain, and the first thing he sees is a geek I love, I love, I love the motif of a night carnival. I know it's like I read the, something. 
to to connect to Macbeth, I read uh, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Okay. Like, that's the name of the book, and it's, yeah. but it's about a night carnival that just shows up in October, like, <sighs> and, like, the the air smells of, like, you know, caramel corn, and, and it's only at night, and you're like, oh, yeah, this it's, is, the, it, and when, so when he first gets off that bus that, like, is, like, a time portal bus, like, I, I love that moment where he, like, falls asleep, and then yeah. he plays this little trick with the window where it's, like, yeah. night immediately. But when he gets off the bus and he can go to the diner, but then he sees the little guy walking by to this carnival and there's like thunder and oh, it's man. like it's not so stormy that you can't go, but it's stormy where it's like oh, this is something sinister. And something it's not wicked, this way it comes. You know, there's Indeed. definitely there's definitely scenes in the daylight at the carnival, and it's not there's nothing sinister about it, but. Yeah, it's so kind of evocative. Of, what is that? A carnival at night? What is that? I mean, feeling? I think about like my childhood, and like definitely, if I think about the show, uh, "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Like, yeah, there is this episode of like a like an evil funhouse that is like so impressed upon me or, or, at a carnival. Yeah, or like the or like the state fair at night. Oh yeah, you know? yes. it's like we really shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> And going through these like yeah these, uh, or weird... or or even or even what Jordan Peele does in Us, it's the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, right. but it's like yes, ooh, uh, a bit more modern. Yeah, um, there there's this kind kind of a tradition of playing with that as this sinister motif. Uh, yeah. And it's it's so effective, right? Because it's because it's meant to, right? The freak show carnival is meant to provoke. It's meant to uh, kind of anything sh- can happen here. Yeah, yeah. It's meant to stir something in you that makes you uneasy uh, or or questioning reality, right? It's something's not quite right. Yeah, because it's it's the it's you know the safety of a show, but but what really is happening here and. Yeah, there's like three layers of deceit going on, of like what, like how it's advertised. Yes. What the viewer sees, what it actually is, you know. Oh like yeah. That, that was the thing I was noticing, just kind of revisiting some scenes of like the um, uh, typography and and mm-hmm. like signage and mm-hmm. like uh, like these old timey ads of like the lizard man that can stretch in any yeah. or the snake man that can stretch, you know. And it's like this guy like painted on a snake body. It looks terrifying. And then it's like, oh, it's just a guy who's like flexible. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But like the levels of it, they're like, wait, what is this? Wait. Well, yeah. And the center of this carnival yeah. for the storytelling purposes is the geek show. And right. th- which was this real thing. Like that's the real history of geeks, which were guys that would bite off the heads of chickens in, in these, you know, carnival shows. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a legit. Oh well, and like, and it was that, elite, and it became illegal because the the backstory whoa. in the movie of Willem Dafoe, who's the kind of carnival barker, geek show wrangler, one of the heads of the show, the whole carnival, he is asked by Bradley Cooper, "How do you how do you recruit a geek? Because who wants to do this, right?" Um, and yeah. he tells the story of taking these men who came out of the war, World War One, um, were. You know, basically PTSD without calling it that, addicted to opium, mm. addicted to alcohol. You would draw them in, promising them their drug of choice, 
withhold it until you basically broke them to this place where they mm. were willing to perform at this geek show. And that was, that's actually the and history. And like starve them. Oh yeah, yeah, starving them so that when you bring them out in front of a crowd, yeah, they'll bite off the head of a chicken. Uh, right. And that's the actual history of the geek show. They became illegal. And we see that in the movie. The police are trying to shut them down. That's why when the police come, Bradley Cooper, Stan, runs straight to the Willem Dafoe character and says the police are coming. And he says, if they find the geek, they'll shut us down. And then you see exactly what you're describing, that the sign, which is like the, the you know, indigenous the, ape man. Is it man? Is it beast? Yes. The, the, he pulls a he pulls a, a string and a different sign falls over that to it's a goat <laughs> yeah to hide the fact that they have a geek show right yeah um, and so that is that's what I found really fascinating about this movie is there is no for it being a Guillermo del Toro movie right his last movie Shape of Water um, makes his name doing Hellboy Pan's La- Pan's Labyrinth there's nothing supernatural in this movie. Right, like he's he's always got some sort of creature. Yeah, yes, yeah. There's always a creature. There's always whatever. But in Nightmare Alley, there's no creature. There's no supernatural. There's no magic. It is. And you think there might be? Oh, uh, uh, like right out the gate, we're saying like the gate. You're like, oh wait, is this like a weird? Yes. You know, like mythical night totally. circus that just rolls out of nowhere. You know. Totally. And there's like a darkness that's controlling all these people, but. No, it's just humans being dark because humans are dark. Yeah, yes, that's pretty much Guillermo del Toro's thesis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I don't need a, a an actual monster. No, and that's like, uh, like Bradley Cooper is, or he will be soon. This, the, you know, so much of the early scenes in the center of the the kind of fascination is of the geek show, but then Bradley Cooper is really drawn into Madame Zima, played by Tony Collette, this psychic. Um, and her partner Pete, um, mentalist, yeah, who is who is like a mentalist, and he's really drawn. Bradley Cooper's really drawn into the 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 con of it, basically the the grift of being able to uh, convince someone that you are reading their mind, that you have this third sight, that you have this ability, uh, this knowledge of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the grift of you know fooling people in this way and, and and having control over them like that's what so much of the yeah. the, the mentalism show is um yeah you know what uh on especially on rewatch i think i felt this the first time i was watching it too but second time it's kind of solidifying my mind the first uh half of the movie felt like a video game to me like it reminded me of, like skyrim or something where it's like he doesn't talk for the first 20 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're him just like, oh, I guess like I'm plopped into this world and I got to figure out where to go and mm-hmm. who to talk to and get a job, you know? Yeah. Like I, it, it just struck me that the Bradley Cooper movie star doesn't talk for the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yes. I, I noticed that on you rewatch know? as well. Um, and, and I, and I, it's I, all world building. Yeah. You know? And it's so good. Like, because then when he takes you out of the carnival, whatever it is, an hour into the movie, you're kind of like sad to see it go. Um, yeah. And I know. Yeah, it's tough. Um, Do you ever play Bioshock? Mm-hmm. 
like the Bioshock series is all this like art deco mm-hmm. sort of aesthetic. Yeah. So it, it felt like that where you're just dropped in and you're like, oh, well, I got to piece together what's happened here. Yeah. You know? Like the Fallout 3 stuff too. Yes. Yeah. Very Fallout. Yeah. Um, I think that's why the first 20 minutes is so effective to me is that I feel like I'm him. Yeah. You know? Especially that sequence where he's they're trying to find the geek and you follow Bradley Cooper through like the fun house and that yeah, that's yeah. that too's felt like I mean, there's this weird overlap where a lot of games, video games do this where it's like it's less of a game, more of a cutscene that you watch and are yeah. like waiting to play or it might like prompt you to press a button when something active yeah. happens. But it felt like that it was like, Oh no, he's escaped. Like you there, over there. Yes. You need to go in. Yes. You know, and find him. It's like, totally. oh gosh, here we here we go. We, totally. we gotta start playing. Yeah. And gosh, the set design in that that sequence is just amazing yeah. with the devil head and skulls. Oh my like, gosh. Please, let's stay here. This is so great. And I and I love it. And I I think when I listen to uh, the movie impressed me the first time I saw it, but when I listened to the interview with Del Toro, um, I was like I was really taken by his thoughtful approach to this and his affection for this real life stuff that this is, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, a faithful recreation of what he's really fascinated by. And, um, and I think obviously, I, I think especially the stuff later in the movie, I think of like Kate Blanchett's office, like all of that's like probably a little stylized um mm-hmm. in, in a direction you know the the yeah but it's such a fascinating very, movie because i think everything that him. everything that happens in that second half feels so like not that it's taking place in a different movie because i think it works but like um it, it's funny it's maybe ironic to say this like like less grounded in a reality um yeah like the the it's, production it's, design. it is stranger it's stranger yes to me yes the, the the like literally the sets and the production design and stuff is far stranger than anything you see in the carnival. I mean, for me, even like character motivations are mm. stranger. You know, like like I really don't understand the Kate Blanchett character in a lot of ways. What what I mean, just like because she doesn't even she's not really out I'm, for money. I mean, she takes yeah, his money, like, but... I mean, I know we're jumping ahead here, but it's like, she's not out for money, clearly. Yeah. Uh, she's out for, like... And, and then, like, the other thing, too, is, like, this guy just took revenge on someone that hurt her. Yeah. And now she's gonna... Like, what uh, does she yeah. gain from this? Yeah. You know? Just... Like, she's just seemed like a person, or, like, a thing, like an entity there to drive him into bad choices. Okay, so let's set this up. So the second half of the movie, um, Stan, the Bradley Cooper character, leaves the carnival with Molly, this girl who was, like, the electric chair girl at the mall, at the carnival. Electra. Uh, um, they, they leave because he's confident that he can do a really great mentalism show. And so... They fall in love yeah. based off nothing. Yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. years later... Uh, cut to a couple years later, he's got he is he's got a successful um, mentalism show in upstate New York. He's performing at a, you know a hotel every night and it's he, higher class. Yes, yeah, oh yeah. It's like for rich people. Yeah, and that's part of the point. Like it is this distinct uh, uh, contrast between the kind of 
you know, not you know, lower class, whatever of the the carnival to the the ballroom, the gowns of the the hotel for their fancy tuxedo mentalism show. Um, yeah, and I think the first scene of the of his mentalism show is really key to understanding the Kate Blanchett character. I think she just hates what he does, and. A very immediately, she has figured out what it is that he's getting Mm -hmm. these verbal clues from Molly as his assistant, and she wants to uh, uh, show him. Uh, She wants to unmask him for the audience. She wants to show him for what he really is, and so she tries to pull one over on him. But he's he is such an accomplished mentalist that he's able to basically totally backfires on her. Yeah, he sidesteps it all. And then pushes her to the point of embarrassment in front of this crowd. And to the point where, like, the person that she's there with, this this rich, wealthy guy that wants her opinion on The Mentalist, is so taken by him. And Mm. and so I think for her, it's the – as a psychiatrist, I mean, she sees herself in some ways as a mentalist, right? Like mm. the the ability right. to read because someone because she is a psychotic psychologist. Yeah, yeah, she's a psychiatrist in the movie. The, literally, the ability to read someone, the the ability to control or manipulate or uh, right. understand what is happening internally in a person. That's that's who she takes great pride in being accomplished at this. That's her gig. And she's a doctor, right? He 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 notes he notes that when he, she hands him his business card, her her business card. Oh, doctor, um, <clears throat> doctor Lilith Ritter, right? And and so for her, it's like I I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe this is reading into it, but it's like I put in the work, I accomplished this, and you come in here, and it's a parlor trick, and right. everybody is so taken by this, right? Um. And then she even kind of yeah. like engages in his – in he, he wants to run a scheme with her where she tells him privileged information about her clients and then he uses that in his you know, psychic – An even greater offense to her work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I guess I was just like – because, yeah, because there's also this layer of her clients, at least one that he's trying to pull the scam on has it's alluded that he he's abused her um violently with violence yeah yeah and and you're just and so when he pulls the scam and then even past that when he um i i i I, i'm jumping ahead too much but i i guess i just yeah i i didn't understand some of her motivations like how how deep they went against him and i'm like but for what reason you know like because you're embarrassed, really? I don't know. That that I think that and yeah. um, kind of kind of some of the fattier parts of the middle of the movie were yeah. the biggest problems with the movie. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is a long movie. This is two and a half hours, and I yeah. think it could have been two. And it's tough when the first half hour is the carnival. Yeah, and it's so lush with images, like it's a feast for your eyes, like. His use of color and lights and strange characters and and music, you know, and it's outdoors all, and all this stuff that is really fun to live in. Yeah. And then you get a middle hour and a half that's just like, you know, 
hotel rooms and hallways and offices, you know? Yeah. Well, Not to say a lot doesn't happen, but no, it's just I, like less like grab you and run. You and know? what I was what I was saying earlier uh, was what's so interesting to me about those sets in the second half of the movie, especially Cate um, Blanchett's office, and then the big kind of like cavernous mansion estate or whatever of yeah. the guy. I mean, those are like vi- not grounded in reality. Those places feel so like created and stylized. Yeah. And, and, Especially her office is like comically. Yes. Just, yeah. Stylized. Like every single inch of it is gilded and you, you know, these sliding wooden panel doors and the It's the like the Great Gatsby movie with Leo. Yes. But like every it's, room is his mansion. Yes. Like this excess of it and and they, they it's like she has these microphones that are built in this tape recorder and it's like this is like nineteen thirty four. Like or yeah. it's like, it's the, like it, Frasier it, with her cassette tapes in the wall. Yeah. He's like, one's missing. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's, it's just interesting the way he almost leaves reality when he leaves the carnival. There is this, this otherworldliness to um, his adventures as a mentalist. Um, yeah. And, and then that is like, he stops being a mentalist and becomes a medium you know, and is trying to show people that they can summon the, their dead loved ones and brings Molly right. into this scheme. And he's warned about this early in the movie. Don't do a spook show. That's what they say. Right. And mm. because, because that's not what mentalism is. Mentalism is reading cues. It's practiced. It's being able to, to read someone and the spook show. And, and you, you, and he's kind of part of the, the mentalist's, gig is kind of leveling with the person and be like hey it's a show yes you know i, yes. I can't i'm not actually talking to anybody yes and exactly i've kind of abandoned that but yeah because you know kate blanchett calls him out he's using verbal cues well like it, you know when i go if I, when i go see a magician what's the last time i saw a magician <laughs> uh, you know when i see a magician on, on my weekends it's like yeah <laughs> no, I was at a conference a couple years ago and they had a magician perform one night and like I was watching this guy perform and like I knew everything that he was doing is a an illusion, a trick. And right. some of it I knew exactly what he was doing and others I didn't know what he was doing at all. But there's yeah. this kind of social contract that we engage in that says, look, we know right. it's a trick. It's not real magic. But we still we want to be fooled. And that's the mentalism show. Huh. <laughs> uh, but then it becomes a, this the spook show, and now he's you can't create a ghost, but that's what he's trying to do. Right. And the consequences of that are literally fatal to multiple people in this movie. Well, what is this movie getting at? Oh, good question. Um, you know, when my initial like letterboxed review of this movie, um, was like my initial impression of the movie was this is a guy who is trying to write a, or trying to make a movie about the depravity of man and mm-hmm. like the broken warped human nature. Right. And uh, from right. every level. From the the people that go to the carnival and want to be taken in by its deceptions to the people committing those deceptions um, 
and and even and then even on the lowest level to the geek who part of the, the story of the geek is like you you convince them to geek at your carnival by giving them booze and opium and there is a conscious choice that somebody's making in a in some sort of state of withdrawal or addiction it's sad but mm. like there's 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 a, a person becomes a geek out of out of depravity and brokenness right like right so and and the, and, movies... the, and the ability of of one human to do that to another right right so if all movies are about making movies uh Guillermo is the mentalist trying to play this trick on us the geek are the actors they're like i don't like this i promise <laughs> acting like monsters and then we're the crowd watching the geek eat the chicken being like eat it <laughs> that's yeah that's totally true <laughs> he's part the director's part mentalist part willem defoe's like this is how we find these actors we put them in a room see <laughs> we tell them read these lines <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's funny you say that because like we're watching Celebrity Big Brother right now, and it's like these celebrities and like they're hanging on to like shreds of fame. Like some of them were never really famous, right. and like like what people are willing to do to keep that or hold on to it or, or manufacture it. It's like yeah, sustain I, it. Yeah, and like we don't think about that when we think about Hollywood or celebrities or fame. We think about like whoever's important or at the center of culture at any given moment we don't think about i mean geez like and i hate the razzie awards it's not a thing that i think is nice i think it's i think it's stupid but uh the razzie awards have a new category this year it's the worst performance by bruce willis in a bruce willis movie and there are eight eight nominations because bruce willis made eight crappy movies this year (laughs) Bruce Willis was in eight movies this year? Bruce Willis was in eight movies. In, I, I didn't hear one of them. I, no, of course you what? didn't. No, no, this is 100% real. Bruce Willis was in eight crappy movies this year. How is that possible? This is That's I what I'm you. saying. How is this possible? Survive the game, out of death, midnight in the switchgrass, cosmic oh, yeah. sin. Yeah. Something called American Siege, something called Fortress, Deadlock, Apex. Guarantee every one of these has the same, yep, same movie poster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the posters are so great. Yeah. Tw- yeah. Cosmic Sin. So let's see. We're, we're t- one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I These can't be to hold on to fame. These must be to just pay some bills that he has or something. But like... I mean, why? Why is this guy doing this? Like, this is crazy to me. I mean, more power to him. I, I mean, I guess like, <laughs> but I think I think so much of what, like, we see in the movie is, like, the self debasement of people, for, their own personal gain. Right. And and Molly is almost like the the the, the person trying to escape that. Um, right right she seems content like stan wants her to improve her act and she's skeptical at first like it's fine Mm -hmm. 
and then she goes off with him and when when he's like kind of not a good guy to her she's like i'm out like i don't need all this money i don't need the schemes i don't i don't want to be a part of tricking people um but then she ends up doing it anyway yeah there's definitely lots of fate stuff too yes yeah like obviously with the mind reading and 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 like the tarot cards uh, medium tarot cards future predictions and stuff but i don't know i get the sense like even at the beginning of the movie when he i mean it's it's made clear that he allowed his father to die i don't know if he killed his dad yeah who was sick and he hated him and he like you know let a snowstorm in and Tick took his blanket away and just watched him slowly die but it's like i think we would call oh, that this is who- i think we would call that some sort of manslaughter but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um it's like oh yeah he's a monstrous dude oh yeah and then he tries to escape that and start a new life it's like oh maybe you can't escape who you are you know you, you can't i think that's part of del toro's thesis too it's like you, you can't because because how did you feel about the ending? No matter how you dress it up. Yeah. I love the ending. Me I too. love the ending. I thought it was a perfect ending. I, the biggest complaint that I've seen consistently, like online about the movie, is that people thought the ending was so obvious. And yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I but- mean, it was. Sarah called it really early. She's like, oh, he's going to become a, a geek. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, probably, but I wasn't mad at it at all. <laughs> Not at all. And because. Because I so believe the journey he goes on from wearing a tuxedo every night mentalism game to total self-debasement and becoming a geek at the end. Like, I buy every step of that journey. Well, and even his, like, what I appreciated about the end was his full awareness of the life that he's going to be stepping into. It wasn't like, cause the way Willem Dafoe's character sets it up is that you kind of have to trick them into the life. Yeah. And he's like, no, I know exactly what this is. I was told the warning signs. Yeah. Like the guy's like, "Uh, we'll just start until we get a real geek. Yeah. And it's a guy from holes. I'm like this guy, this slimy guy, (laughs) get back to digging them holes, buddy. Um, but so he's, I, I think why it worked well for me is like, I didn't want to see him like get tricked because I'm like, he knows, yeah, you know, it's like, no, he just walked into accepting who he is, which is the monster that and he it, is, you know. And it's, and it, and there's no doubt that he's not tricked because he walks into that office and he sees the, the radio that uh, Willem Dafoe bought from him. This is the radio. And then, he and the, the, Enoch. yes, the, 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 dead deformed baby and the formaldehyde like he sees these literal artifacts of his past and yeah. and like they're these giant red flags they should be red flags as soon as he walks into that office um yeah but he he accepts it willingly well and just the line of like buddy i was born for it oh my gosh it's like oh yeah you it, it is it yeah it was the finesse of the ending of you're kind of born in these situations or who you are, what you've done. And like, no matter how many tarot cards you try to flip. The yeah. Other way, yeah. It's like, it's coming for you. Yes. You yeah. Know? That was always his fate. Yeah. And it, it it's, it's so funny cause it could have just as easily happened at the beginning of the movie when he was down on his luck and had no job and no money. Right. 
right. you, you see a version of that where he just becomes a geek right away. And instead, yeah. it's this whole circuitous journey to get there. But he still gets there. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like I said, I, I just really wish this was like a 40 30 minutes, minutes shorter. shorter. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's like definitely del toro loves the world he's created here and just wants to like Mm -hmm. let it go and let it go and let it go and that stuff in the middle is just not to me as interesting as the last 30 40 minutes or the first hour um yeah but i it's like it's and it's and it's crazy too because of the way it's structured it's like you lose tony collette an hour into the movie and she's just amazing you lose David Strathairn, who plays Pete. I mean, he dies, but like you lose that great character. Um, yeah, I know. It's like Molly and Kate Blanchett's character are are just a slower pace. Yeah, and like, I they're, they're I like scenes. I like what Kate Blanchett ahead. is doing. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. They're just like it's a slower burn. They're less grabby. Yeah, and so when we have so little time. At, and even even the villain guy, who sounds like he's been like harming or even murdering women, yeah, um, like his scenes aren't my favorite. Like the by far the most entertaining fun stuff is at the carnival or yeah. with the carnival people. Yeah, yeah. So I wish there was just more time with them. I love so uh, I notice uh, the the whole egg consumption thing. That we talked about a little bit. Oh yeah, earlier. you you noticed how, how many eggs Bradley Cooper eats in this movie? <laughs> yeah, like well, I mean, when he first gets to the carnival, it's like a meal that's served up under a tent when yeah. there's a storm going on. It's like the most like runny, yep, like yolky eggs, and he's like dunking everything into it. And he's like kind of like oh, over yeah. it with like his hands eating the chicken. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very like animalistic, and then. Uh, you know, he eats eggs multiple times throughout the movie, and but like later on, it's like, oh, he's got a suit on. It's like nice uh, room service, like on a silver plate, and he's a little bit more dignified. But Del Toro uh, always like slips in a shot. It's like shot from behind, mm-hmm. and it's his shoulders hunched over. Mm-hmm. So even though he's not like scarfing, it's like there's still like that animal thing mm-hmm. about it. And I guess should have known then, like the little hints to the chickens that he'd be consuming. Oh, that's so good. Fully formed. That's so good. But they're just like, yeah, little lurking moments of like, eh. Yeah. This guy is still this guy. Yeah. This guy's still the guy that killed his dad. Yeah. And, it, you know, this is like weird criticism too about like the ending, like the people thinking the dad thing is like a reveal at the end. And I was like, I, know, I didn't feel like he was withholding that much information. Like the first scene, like there's a dead body in a house and he burns the house down. I'm like, yeah, he probably was responsible for that body. (laughs) Uh, What a great beginning too. I know. You're all like, Oh, we're in a movie. I know. I know. Um, And I, I love, I I mentioned this to you the other day when we were talking about the movie, but I love, I think the Bradley Cooper performance is really good. Uh, Yeah. Speak to that. And, and I think, and I just, I, I like Bradley Cooper a lot. I, th- I think he does a good job. I there was like some quote about how meaningful it was for him to be asked to do this movie because he has this like great respect for Del Toro and he was like, man, the the these important directors who want to work with people like Leo and you know whoever, yeah, he he wants to work with me and he didn't he didn't think of himself as good enough for that. 
He got Guillermo and PTA in the same year. I know. And he's, and he's so good. good but I love this kind of these subtle choices that he makes where and it's a lot of it to do with his accent and his just kind of even even the cadence at which he speaks, right? At the, especially in the beginning. He yeah. doesn't talk a lot, but when he does talk to Clem or whatever, it's this little more twangy, a little bit more of his drawl, a yeah. little simpler. And then it changes a little bit with that the police show up at the carnival and it's his kind of first you know stepping into mentalism when he tries to fool the police officer um yeah it's more showy theatrical and, and the way he's talking is this like kind of like very fast like convincing you and almost like talking over himself to get there and yeah. it's i mean it's very specific like he's being like overpowered by the energy yeah Yes. And then when he's got his mentalism show in the hotel, that's all reined back, but it is much more sophisticated. It is this really kind of Mm -hmm. elevated version. And he holds on to that even in conversations just with Molly. And and so it's almost like he's really made that transformation. And then it's all reversed and undone at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I I mean even yeah. just like tracking things like that the the Bradley Cooper performance I mean he just he's got such a presence in this movie. And, and I mean there's that shot of him burning that house down throwing that that light lit match into that hole or whatever. And right. he's got the fedora on. I mean it's silhouette and I'm like this is this is a movie star. He looks like Indiana Jones this right is, here. Like yeah, 100%. It, 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 he's so good. Yeah. Uh, I I would not mind more Bradley Cooper movies. I know, like even Star A Star Is Born. I I didn't think I was gonna like that movie. He's so good that in type it. of movie. He's fantastic in and, it. And I didn't think I was gonna like him in it. I thought, um, I, right. I, I, I'll I'm here for like Lady Gaga or whatever, and I'm gonna have to deal with him. And he's so good. Yeah, and the, yeah, and we've already said, but that final scene mm-hmm. is is the cherry on top. Yeah. So overall, I I really enjoyed it. I, I I don't understand the lack of hype. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Or, I, or, or seen, like lack of interest from people on the internet. About yeah, I I saw it and I was like, it was like one of my biggest surprises of a of a new movie this year, just because there was so little hype around it. And I watched it. and I was like, man, that was a that was a that was a movie. It was great. I I think I truly think streaming is a net negative. I agree. For, the hype of movies because yeah. I'm picturing seeing this in a theater and like these sets on that screen that's and why the I was, colors. And that's why I was so pissed when I saw this in a theater and the colors were all wrong. The projector was right. broken. Oh, like, right. right. I mean, it, because it's it such a beautiful movie, it does matter. And it, I, it like, yeah. I'm in a packed theater and I'm like, well, what is wrong with you people? Do you not see this? It, it's just the, it, it there's a weird we we talked about this before, but just the psychology of this isn't feel special because I'm just hitting play right now. I know, like even the forty minutes sometimes of trailers now. I know before a movie, it's like okay, you know what? At least they they know I'm here. I know, and they're like, this is a thing we're gonna know. see. You know? I know, man. The I, ritual. There's a ritual. There's no ritual at home. I was you know? I was sitting. It was like we were trying to find something to watch Megan was in the bathroom I was I was looking through HBO and I was like scrolling down and there was like this banner it was like four tiers down and it was like 
new movie streaming in two days on HBO, Kimmy, directed by Steven Soderbergh. And I'm like, what? I, I mean, I had heard that title probably six months ago when it was in production. I had no idea when it was coming out. I had no idea it was going to be on HBO. In two days, there's a new Steven Soderbergh movie on HBO. This is like, I mean, it's, it's so hard, right? Because I'm going to watch it and I'm going to be glad that it's just going to be on my TV at home in two days. But at the same time, who knows that this movie exists and is coming out? Right. That is crazy. And who's going to watch it? His magnitude. Yeah. Yes. I know. It's... I... I, None of this bodes well for good movies, I I feel. I know. Because the thing we talk about on this pod, too, is like, we're just happy something like this exists. Like, an original movie with huge sets and huge actors and an amazing director that isn't a franchise and just like these are on their way out and it's so pretty much and it's so weird because i think i don't know this maybe spoil one of the segments but so i watched i watched uh robocop for the first time <clears throat> the original mm-hmm. and and then i watched the terminator for the first time, the first Terminator movie. I'd never seen that before. And you know what? They're awesome. And <laughs> I've never seen them either. Yeah. Like, and it's not just like action movie awesome, like, especially Robocop. This is like political commentary, you know, like dialed up to 11 in this like very mm-hmm. fun 80s action movie package. And it's insane. Yeah. And, um, but, but what struck me so much about these movies was how well made they were and what they're what they're like on a most basic level trying to be is like popcorn action movie entertainment but there's still uh-huh. so much substance to them and like there was a RoboCop remake a few years ago and I, I can't imagine it was I didn't see it but I can't imagine that it was good and right. and like I guess the point I'm getting at is is what we don't really have anymore is these kind of genre movies that are also both like a fun genre movie and really effective filmmaking and there's substance mm-hmm. behind it. Um, you, you get that occasionally. I think Dune is like the sci-fi example this year, right? Um, right. But, you know, when was the last like, like big crazy – action movie that i mean probably mad max fury road and that's like a once in a decade movie right um right and and it's It's just rare you know and he's been making mad max movies since the 80s but you know like new directors coming in and doing that kind of stuff it's like that's why i love jordan peele because he's trying to do genre stuff just gonna bring him up actually yeah yeah but that note nope is probably gonna Hopefully scratch that itch a little bit. Yeah, sure. yeah, I and I think so, and I, I, I'm glad he he's doing that. But I just wish there was more of that. Like, uh, yeah. and and it's hard to say. It's it's easy to look back and say this was an era where this was happening. But I'm like, if I were alive in the '80s, I imagine I would have been sifting through a lot of bad movies, and mm-hmm. you know, The Terminator is a shining spot in whatever year it is. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess part of the thought is like. 
what, what are even these streaming services or production companies getting out of these movies that aren't making them money? They're not making them any money. And I know. So it's like, why, why would these movies stay around? I know. know? I know. And, and like the power of the dog is probably going to win Netflix a best picture Oscar this year. Right. I mean, it sort of seems where everything is heading. It'll be their first. It'll be the first Oscar for a streaming service. And because the Academy has first Oscar at all, the first best picture, sorry. First best picture, um, for a streaming service, Netflix push. But that's also like Oscars don't even matter anymore. No one watches. But it matters to these guys. It matters to the president of Netflix. Like that's a prestige thing that matters because because it's like we are a major studio and this is what has mattered for a hundred years for ninety four years in Hollywood and so we want that. I mean, how they pushed so hard for Roma to get a bunch of Oscars and they gave it best director, but they, uh, but it didn't win best picture. It was almost like withholding that, like we can't give it to a streaming yeah. service. Um, power of the dog is going to win Netflix, uh, an Oscar. And then what does Netflix do? Like, do they, do they, I mean, you could see a version where it's like, okay, we, we did it. Now we're just going to continue to yeah. make movies with Ryan Reynolds and the rock and, we're going to film them in front of green screens in our warehouse in Atlanta or whatever it is, you know, like that's that cause it's cheaper and that's the future. Yeah. I don't know. And that's why I love this movie. It's like, a, it, it's like, it, a weirdo... it feels like the, it, it feels like the nation's like debt crisis <laughs> is the same thing that's happening at Netflix where it's like, they have a debt crisis where oh they're just sinking money into a million projects, but it's like, I feel like all the people that have signed up for Netflix have already signed that are going to sign up for Netflix have signed up. I know. Like, are, can they possibly be getting that many more people a month? I know. Maybe I'll check this Netflix thing out. And it's funny too. Cause like you can see like movie pass is a, is a, was a great company. I mean, it was a terrible run company and the business model was completely flawed, but like, the business model was flawed. They were never going to make money. I don't know how they ever thought they were going to win or succeed or anything. And that's basically the Netflix model is they're constantly in debt, except with movie pass, when it went away, the movie still existed. When Netflix goes away, it's like, okay, they have all the content. It's got to, it's got to go somewhere. What happens? You know, so who is going to just buy the, I mean, Netflix, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on Netflix going under, but like, how does that end? It gets acquired by, some giant corporation you know like i don't know we've been, we just finished rewatching succession yeah, well, definitely, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. um so yeah that's why i liked that's why i loved nightmare alley it was like a genre you movie just like weirdo stuff but like has something to say um yeah and I just and we stand Guillermo. I, I want him making movies. I do. I hated Shape of Water. I really hated that movie, and I was so glad. That's why I was kind of resistant to see this one too. But I was so glad this one was really good. Uh, you want to move on to segments? Up segments. Let's do a favorite shot. What do you got? This is, excuse me, a damn fine couple segments. Um, boy, I don't know. I was thinking about it. Um, I, I, I have two, probably the, the one of him standing over the fire and in silhouette and he almost looks like Indiana Jones. It's just like, like a very cool early movement, maybe like 
kind of tone setting thing for him for him um yeah but i also really like the shot of him going through the spiral tunnel when he's looking for the geek in the early part of the he's in the fun house and it's like that horror oh, kind yeah, of yeah. piece um yeah it's the very it, us it, yes it's us it's the production design there's that giant eyeball yeah that's some of my favorite stuff too like the devil mouth that opens yes. up and yeah the giant eyeball too yeah all of that really great and i love the way it's shot um you know, the, the it's a beautiful movie. So there's tons of tons to look at. That's good in here. But yeah, what about what about you? Yeah, similarly, I love all that tunnel stuff. I love the first shot of him dragging the body. Yeah. You know, and you're like, dude, what the hell's going on? And I, I love him walking away from the house too. Oh yeah, in the field. It's like the most beautiful, serene thing with this house on fire with a you know. Can I tell? Can I tell you? I, I was rewatching the movie and I saw that shot of him walking in that field, and I had this moment. I'm like. Is Brad, I wonder if Bradley Cooper was actually in a field, or if he's like in front of a I green, know if he's in front of a green screen here, and it, it almost looks too good for I, it to be real. I know, and I hate that. That's what I'm thinking about now, like I know because You're it's like nothing's real. So I, I kept thinking that when it was snowing in those scenes with that guy, I was like, yeah, yeah this is completely fake. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then I thought, and then like when molly shows up as the ghost yeah very arresting images yeah so we'll find some to post yeah uh all right letterbox what do you got uh i gave it four out of five stars because i think it's like a flawed movie that i loved um yeah and that i'm excited exists (laughs) yeah i know i'm i haven't posted mine yet i wish there was a 3.75 i understand like it's closer to a four, I but I might go three five. But then I'm like, what? What did I give a three five to other this year? Like, ugh, it's, not, it's better than that. I, that's kind of how I, I felt. Know. I'm like, like, I feel like this could kick Pig out of my top ten as well. Yeah, yeah, so, I get that. I don't know. I might have to think about it longer. But anyway, uh, unsung hero. You got one? I have not thought about the unsung hero. Do you have do you have one? I know I you might do. go Alright, you share yours first. Just cause because I think it's like a weird little it's like a weird little part, but I really like the sheriff that shows up to shut down the uh yeah, carnival. He's a good and, and like huh? yeah. how could you know that? <laughs> how like very quickly I'm an idiot. <laughs> how very quickly he gets destroyed by Bradley Cooper. It's it's it, 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 he, uh, Jim Beaver who plays him like does a good job and uh and his name is Jedediah Jed- Judd, uh, which is a great name. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna go with the. I also like the spider. I I also like the spider lady. (laughs) Spider head's great. Yeah, she honestly, spider head's baller. I was like, ugh, that is kind of freaking me out. But I'm going with this with the with the chair in her office because I want to. I want to. I want to lay in that chair where there's a snowstorm out with my architect. I mean, you know, unsung hero might just be Kate Blanchett's office. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, I'm like, slam this up with like the Batman and Mad series, and I'm like, this is Art Deco heaven. <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna be weirdly moody in here 
thinking about <laughs> no, life it is. and crime. Yes. And like the darkness that haunts us I all. I thought about that. Storm. I thought about that Batman series too when I watched it. Like I just I loved it. That Batman that. series is so good. It's, so it's like good. all right, what if we took a kid's show and made it the moodiest, <laughs> like weirdly dark, like really uh uh lonely feeling. Like the most city. interesting art. Yeah, they're like, what if we just absolutely threw down for this kid show? <laughs> like, all right. Um, what else we got? I feel like we have one more. Well, we have our new segment that we started on. The new segment. Um, this is yeah, this is an easy one. I feel like. Yeah, it's the if you like yeah, this, did. right? I mean, I I can ju- I can take the easy one. I feel like you've got more breadth for this, but obviously, if you like this, go check out. Guillermo's other movies, Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and The Devil's Backbone. But really specifically, if you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, that's his yeah. masterpiece. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that I would add anything. I mean, there's plenty. Um, I Yeah, that's what I would say. Um, but it, it has, and we, we haven't talked about this at all, but there's such a, a noir, film noir uh, vibe to this too. Um, mm-hmm. that, and that's why I, I could feel it underneath everything is like this noir structure and this mood and it's like, go watch a good film noir movie, you know, like, yeah. um, there's tons on HBO max, like go, you know, go watch one of those. Um, the thin man. Yeah. The third man. Um, the third man's good. Um, you know, double indemnity. Um, you know high sierra i mean and all of those movies are really about the same thing which is like laura the the, 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 the you know the the depravity and and of man right like Ooh, they drive by now i just searched no noir and then just a letterbox list of noir movies yeah and some of these these posters are are freaking going hard yeah uh so that's what i would say i'd go watch some good old film noir movies um yeah. What else have okay. you been watching? Have you uh, seen anything else recently? Nope. I just rewatched Pig and rewatched Marriage Story too. Oh, yeah. What a fun experience. God, Adam Driver is is a generational talent. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I hate it. I, I love it. And I cannot wait for White Noise this year. I know. Rereading Me too. currently in preparation. <laughs> hey, I was thinking about rereading that too. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. White Noise, and especially I, like right now with your, like the state of the world, you're like, oh, yep, I see why he's yeah. making this now. This makes perfect sense. Yeah. In, in like 75 different layers. Um, but yeah, I haven't been watching a lot. I know you've been on that 80 movies, 80s movies. Yeah, I watched, I watched right those two. Um, and then the other one that I the other one I wanted to highlight that I watched last week, um, it's a Stanley Kubrick movie from 1956 called The Killing. Uh, and I I just it's it's 85 minutes. Kubrick slaps. And but I what I love about him is I've seen a lot of Stanley Kubrick movies, but I cannot put them into a single category because they're all so distinct He's a monster. and very different. 
in almost every way, style, themes, everything um, from one another. And he had done a couple of movies before The Killing, but a lot of people like really consider this as like his first real. Yeah. He's a filmmaker. He was super young, like late twenties when he made this. It's about a heist at a, like a horse race, um, and it's it's like proto Reservoir Dogs. Like you can see a line. He's a madman. You can see the line from from the killing to Reservoir Dogs to Ocean's Eleven to so much of like modern movie making and yeah. um, and it was eighty five minutes. Which we we might just like we don't want to reel too much, but we might be watching one of his movies coming up with a special guest here. Oh yeah, that's right. In, in, a, in a few episodes, yes, so it's still in the works. Yeah. So we don't know time wise, but be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I don't know. I this is like a underrated Stanley Kubrick that you know, little scene. It's on Criterion. It's also on Amazon Prime right now um, for free. So um, nice. the killing. Heck yeah. yeah. Well, what do we got next week? Should we finally tackle Power of the Dog? Let's we'll do Power of the Dog. Really? It's got. All these Oscar nominations, I think it's time. I'm happy to revisit it. I need to rewatch the chore of it. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, power the dog, and we'll power through. And finally, make, it's good though. Make good on that promise. You know, it, it's good. I don't know why we're dragging our feet on it, but yeah. in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep. And uh, hey, if the mood strikes, leave us a review, leave us a rating, help get this pod seen, send it to a friend. Uh, go, yeah. go watch a good movie this week. Yeah, and uh, I was gonna say something about the Oscar nominations. I can't. Go watch a good movie this week. That's all we gotta say. Good night, y'all. Bye. Damn, boy, literature, huh? <laughs>